1: In the year of our Lord, 2022, this is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our Founding Fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, that Constitution of the United States of America is our guide. And absolutely, the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips, as you Should know by now, at least we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. I had a big old long, long, long stint. It seems on the road, Uh, and it went very well. But boy, howdy, being on the road is hard. It's uh, it's very hard to keep track of everything for everybody and be on the road and do the show and not have connectivity, and it just goes on and on and on. All right, a quick recap of yesterday's show. We had on James Edwards' race, politics, and hypocrisy in 21st century America. Thepoliticalcessible.org, great talk show host, great friend, and more. His award-winning show is available every Saturday night live. Uh, And uh, I should say Saturday evening live. Can I say Saturday night live? Anyway, just wondering. (laughs) But you can also hear the three-hour award-winning weekly show every day on demand at your fingertips. Where? At thepoliticalcesspool.org. That's where. Well, we talked about Aesop's fables. A man is known by the company he keeps, they claim, at the courts. Shame on them. We talked about Ammon Ammon Bundy is guilty of nothing. We talked about what is a, quote, research associate. And we really talked about, in general, this divide in America. Okay, nobody can even decide what truth is anymore. We claim something's the truth, and they say, no, it's not. It almost reminds you of like a Monty Python play or something. It's crazy town. And then we say, oh, this is not that way. And they say, yes, tis. And we go on and on and on. We can't even agree on fundamental facts anymore. I say the sun rises every morning, and they say, no, it doesn't. That's just a figment of your imagination. I say, I believe in Christ. They say, you have no right to do that. You got to trust government. And the battle rages. And it used to be that one or two sentences in a story would attack the opponent or disagree with the opponent. Now the whole narrative is flat-out false lies upon lies, pointing to former lies as their proof of truth. It's insane. We talked about that in detail with James Edwards because he got sued or he actually got slandered and libeled in the press. He sued and lost they said he was a leader and a member of the KKK, neither are true, but they said because of the company he keeps, that's fine. You can just lie and say that. Well, then the big tie together of all of us is just fascinating. Eric Trump appears on radio program that sparked controversy for his brother, Daniel Diaz, CNN. They attacked James Edwards as a racist. They tie Eric to Donald Jr., to Donald Sr., to Sam, to James, to just about everybody, because I interviewed Eric Trump. It's just, it's, it's just bizarre. But then uh, we compare that story, where I forced CNN to retract, with the, quote, next article says this, right-wing sheriffs vow a probe 2020 voter fraud. Uh, Peter Easler... Writers literally attacking us relently, relentlessly and pointing to this research associates, is what they call them, who have flat-out lies about me. Anyway, we talked about the 6 degrees separation theory and generally how that works. Uh, and we really talked about, you know, CNN. CNN used to have James Edwards on um, as a conservative political commentator with kind of the other view on a story. Now they say he's a white supremacist racist, and how dare you even touch him with a 10-foot pole. But if we're going to do the guilt by association, if we're going to talk about the six degrees of separation theory and how it works, if we're going to talk about um, just because you interview somebody, that creates a tie, the ties that bind, so to speak, then CNN's really a racist organization leading the white supremacist movement, don't you know? Uh, Why? Because they had James on, see? And James is associated with all kinds of people. They even interviewed David Duke plenty of times back in the day when he was a, um, you know, state legislator or whatever. And you look at all that and you go, what? Well, this guilt by association is the problem. This company you keep issue is the problem. Now, believe it or not, in Aesop's fable, the company you keep phrase comes from the fable, the ass and his purchaser. And we kind of mocked that yesterday. I'm not sure who the ass is. Uh, in this deal. But the bottom line is, uh, the company you keep and the behavior that you have follows that which you gravitate to. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, um, I don't really know how to respond to all of it, except it's just a shame. We also talked about kind of the CNN-Mac attack. Yeah, CNN interviewed, uh, I guess, Richard Mac last night, uh, or it aired last night, I should say. Did it go well? See, I don't think so. The attack's just Keep coming. The dishonesty, the manipulation of the truth just keeps (coughs) not only following us, but even preceding us to this point. Uh, It is so dishonest. Anyway, I I digress, but that's a a recap of what happened yesterday on the show. The final day I was on the road, thank heavens for that. But James Edwards uh, and I, together, uh, in my opinion, did a masterful job breaking down this dishonest guilt by association, the company you keep idea, and how they've literally taken it all the way to the courts now and proven that they can flat out lie about somebody. And the courts will codify that lie and say, well, we know it's a lie, we know it's not true, but it doesn't matter, you can continue that lie, no problem at all. And that's the mess Donald Trump finds himself in. He was going to reject libel and slander laws when he was president, but he failed to do anything about it, while James Edwards wrongfully, in my humble opinion, lost his lawsuit, couldn't appeal, Couldn't uh, the lawyer wouldn't continue, and James didn't have the money to continue, so what do you do? Donald Trump talking about it, but doing nothing when the quintessential case example of what constitutes a libel and slander you can't say somebody's a leader or a member of the KKK when they in fact are not you cannot say that but they called it you know what hyperbole uh, and they they allowed it to continue this is the problem they literally on james's case changed court case precedent if you will specifically in michigan but the ramifications are way beyond that now now donald claiming he's going to sue some of these people He's not going to get anywhere. Okay, even uh, Roy Moore tried to sue about the fiasco that he was baited into an interview and in, uh, by Sasha Cohen or whatever it was. That failed. Okay, we can't sue these people and win. The courts are in bed with the media, and we cannot win these cases anymore. The problem that I have and the reason that we need to stand up so boldly, nobly, and clearly against this is they're using this now to just libel, slander people into barbecuing them and convicting them in the court of public opinion via the media. And then it doesn't matter what happens to them because they're already guilty. I'll take Ammon Bundy to prove the point. James Edwards proves the point. What happened to James? Well, you know, they said he was a leader of the KKK and a member. Not true, but doesn't matter, says the court. Wow. Well, then Ammon Bundy literally serves in prison for two years. At the end, guilty of nothing. Folks, these cases can't be allowed to stand in America. This isn't communist China. This isn't some third world country where there's just no justice. There's just vigilante behavior. This is the United States. Nancy Pelosi's husband gets all drunk and what accountability is there? Then Nancy goes over there and starts playing games with Taiwan and China relations. What goes with that? Hunter Biden runs around with prostitutes, gets caught, lies about uh, having a baby with a woman, doesn't pay his child support, literally doesn't file as a foreign agent, has ties to all kinds of international corporations with communist dollars and backing and and 'er ne'er-do-well terrorist kind of people involved and no big deal. It it didn't relate to Joe. Oh, wait, I guess it did relate to Joe, but no harm, no foul. No big deal. So Joe's in the clear. Hunter's in the clear. Hillary and Bill are in the clear. Uh, Folks, and you and I, we're one heartbeat away from going to jail. For what? I don't know. But then you look at this Alex Jones case, right? What the heck just happened to Alex Jones? Do you even know? Or what is happening to Alex Jones now, right? What's happening to Alex right now? He's in court. He just had to declare his free speech systems, just had to declare bankruptcy, right? Now, Josephs, or I'm sorry, wow. Alex Jones concedes Sandy Hook massacre was 100% real as he testifies. Yeah, what do you think of that? Well, it's all about Jesse Lewis and six-year-old Jesse Lewis who died or whatever. But what does Alex Jones even really think? Does he really think, folks, that it was all real? Or is he just forced to say that in the court to try to not be so abused in the courts? Now, I don't agree that you can run around and... Lie and it's fine, right? But when we say it's 100% real, I don't believe that the uh Tedney Hook massacre was 100% real. I don't agree with that. Now, let me explain the problem. Let me explain the problem. The problem with this whole scenario is, um. I don't believe it was a fake, and I wouldn't have pushed it like Alex Jones did. I think he was wrong for that. I think he abused the poor families. At the same time, I believe in free speech, and at the same time, I don't believe that the narrative is as the government has told us. So I'm not going to go on the two extreme sides like Alex, that there was nothing to it, it was fake, and now it's 100% real. I'm in the middle somewhere. What about you? back with you live ladies and gentlemen Sam Bushman on your radio we're joined by Brian Rust of rustcoinandgift.com and Kelly Finnegan senior chemist joins us on air welcome gentlemen thank you Matt for glad that. to be with you alright yesterday I talked for two hours with James Edwards about this situation where they can lie about us with impunity Right, And they can use false narratives to build continued false narratives to the point of no return. Ammon Bundy, for example, literally went to prison for two years, half of it in solitary confinement. And at the end, he was guilty of nothing. And the judge in the Vegas or in the Nevada case literally said the government withheld the evidence and was guilty of so many crimes and so much manipulation and witness tampering and everything else that, you know what? We had to just have a mistrial. Ammon guilty of nothing, but the government, uh, it was shameful, said the judge, but no accountability. That's one example. The other example, uh, and now this continues to follow Ammon Bundy around, that he's kind of like a criminal, uh, even though he's guilty of nothing. See, They've destroyed his character in the court of public opinion. Well, then my buddy James Edwards, too, they said that he was a leader of the KKK and a member of the KKK. In news media outlets, he sued them and said that's not true. Neither of those are true. The court came back and said, yeah, it isn't true. You're right. It's not true, but we don't care. Aesop's fables, uh, the ass in the cellar is the uh, fable, which says, hey, it's the company you keep that's the problem. Uh, therefore, guilty, guilt by association. Now they're literally writing articles about me, tying me to Stuart Rhodes, tying me to Richard Mack, tying me to Ammon Bundy, tying me to James Edwards. And they basically are saying, hey, all these guys are guilty, and Sam Bushman is the key quarterback Uh, that puts all these guys together, uh, insinuating that somehow I control them. Of course, none of that's really the truth, right? Uh, And so now we've got this narrative that's just dishonest. They even go so far in some of the, um, I don't know what you want to say, articles, hit pieces, uh, dishonest dossiers, just like Hillary, uh, funded and put out on Donald with no repercussions whatsoever fake Russian dossier. Now they're putting together fake dossiers on me, where they say that I get money from the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and that me and the church and Stuart Rhodes and Richard Mack and everybody are planning an insurrection to take over the West. Um, these lies, I don't even know how to respond to them, but then I tied this to Alex Jones. Alex Jones now concedes Sandy Hook massacre was 100% real as he testifies in court, Now, I don't think that Alex was right on the Sandy Hook. He, in my opinion, for a lot of money, did a lot of wrong things with regards to this. Uh, But I also don't agree that it was 100% real. I think the government manipulated the outcome and the results and the details that we get. I don't think we have the whole story. I don't think we have that for Uvalde or Sandy Hook. Uh, But that doesn't mean that I'm going to go attack the families. And, you know, that's kind of the problem is that I believe Alex crossed a big line. But Alex is bouncing from one to another extreme based on the court. Now, Alex Jones's company, uh, I guess, is in trouble because Alex Jones's lawyers, they say, accidentally leaked years of emails. And so, Infowars' financial documents are released in court. Uh, he's getting barbecued very transparently. But now, Alex Jones' company has to file for bankruptcy. Amid this. Right. So it's a very strange thing. I bring it up to you, gentlemen, because I want your take on this. Where do we go when they could just lie about us, manipulate the truth with such impunity? Hunter Biden runs around free. Hillary Clinton runs around free. Even with their scandals. But yet a. Alex Jones in trouble. I don't know that I believe his lawyers accidentally leaked anything. I believe it was probably on purpose. Uh, but nevertheless, where do we go? Where, what's next for this? Uh, do we all end up in jail, Brian?
5: Well, it's a, it's a big mess. We've been saying this forever that there's no accountability. I mean, you go back a number of years and all the things that are going on and so on. And we kept keep wondering, well, is the truth really going to come out? And then there's, there's no accountability for their actions. And, and, you know, you figure big money, uh, and big power, I guess is, is the word. And, and, uh, you know, you can kind of pay your way out of it, I guess. And and so it, uh, and unless you have that in a sense and our control over the media as well and so on, then you have a, you know, you just get away with it. You just get away with, you know, murder. And and we kind of ask for answers because it helps us to, to kind of see, see really what's happening in the world. And it's, and it's just, there's twisted here and this and we we'll blame here and that. And, and like Bundy, I mean, how many people just jumped on that just simply because they saw in the news, well, these guys were doing wrong and they, the government came in and tried you know, are stopping them and, and they don't really hear the, hear the outcome. I mean, as far as really what went on and so on. And so they kind of believe whatever they see, you know, we're kind of, we view something and we see it because we can see it kind of thing. It doesn't mean that's the truth. And so, yeah, it's just, uh, there you go. You're guilty by association and, 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 uh, and that's kind of what we've been seeing for years.
1: All right, Kelly, you want to take a stab at this one?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was uh, talking with this woman and, and, and somebody that I worked with, and um, she had no idea about Hunter Biden and Joe and all of these things going on. And uh, she's like, well, if he's so bad, why haven't they impeached him? And I said, you know, what, what party is Congress, mem-? you know, mostly majority? And and she had no idea. So it was like the Democrats, you think the Democrats are gonna go after one of their own? No way, you know. But I said if if Congress changes in in November, Joe Biden will be impeached and I think he'll take the Nixon way out and just resign, you know, and come up with some excuse that you know, his health or whatever. But but I think most people don't even have a clue of what's really going on or even care. All they care about is what's going to be on TV, you know, tonight, and what they can talk about on Friday. And, uh, and that's the problem: is there's too many people that aren't educated and know- and have any knowledge about this, and they don't care. and And these people know that, and so you know, the few that do, they can just manipulate them. And so these people have no idea what's really going on. And and I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of people like Alex Jones just finally thrown in the towel you know he he obviously wasn't you know held to his convictions of that he didn't have a a firm belief in that it was just enough of a nick in his armor that they were able to burrow in on that so yeah i think if you're not prepared you're 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 toast and you're gonna jump in lockstep with everybody else
1: Now, they say that he filed under Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which is really more of a reorganization than it is a shutdown. So I don't think that Alex Jones is going to be gone tomorrow. It lets him maintain control of his assets and everything else. It creates some kind of a payback or some kind of a whatever plan. It doesn't really bankrupt or shut his company down in any way, uh, and it lets him really remain in control of his own operations and doesn't require companies to liquidate their assets. Brian, do you want to respond to that? I find that interesting as well. I'm going to declare bankruptcy, but yet I want to— maintain control it's a weird creation we've created in america these days Uh, corporations are almost like people and they have a life of their own and i get the restructuring on occasion because it creates the least amount of harm but oftentimes uh, it's used in very unique ways uh, to really allow rich people to stay rich brian
5: yeah i mean it allows them to kind of get out of from underneath a you know perhaps being caught or whatever whatever happens basically they can kind of get out from it by just claiming you know or you know filing bankruptcy uh yeah it's hard it's hard to uh you know just know how this is kind of happening it seems like you know these you you watch these corporations where they they're taking their companies down and down and down and yet the CEO of that company gets an 8 million dollar bonus and uh, or they file bankruptcy and he gets this big, this big bonus because you know it's I don't know it just it seems like it's wrong but it's right so it's there again it's another wrong that's right and right's wrong and I don't
1: know <laughs> yeah I don't know how to respond to it all uh, I find it very fascinating and I'm not here to defend Alex Jones because I think he was over the line just relentless on this Sandy Hook thing. Uh, And I know we want the truth of things. Uh, The problem is that, you know what, there's innocent families in the middle. And these families are the ones really going after Alex Jones saying, look, uh, you can't do this. Well, it kind of comes back to this libel and slander thing. How much free speech does a person have versus when are you as a celebrity like an Alex Jones crossing the line, attacking these families to where they sue? On one hand, you and I can't get justice in the courts. On the other hand, hey, the elites go free, Joe Biden on down. Uh, Hillary and Bill Clinton on down, Barack Obama on down to prove the point. They're all above the law. Uh, But yet at the same time, the opposite seems to be true here. Alex getting the barbecue. Uh, Ferreting this out seems to be a difficult uh, idea. We'll talk about that really quick. Then we'll come back and get an honest update on money. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live with Brian Russ, Kelly Finnegan, and Sam Bushman on your radio.
0: Listening to Liberty News Radio, USA Radio News.
6: I'm Tony Marusia reporting. By an overwhelming 86 to 11 vote, the Senate Tuesday night gave final passage to a bill that ramps up health care and disability benefits for veterans exposed to burn pits and other toxins. The Pact Act of 2022 passed Tuesday night. Pat Toomey, who led the Republicans in installing the measure, warned that it included what he calls a trick that would permit indiscriminate spending. And a school in Utah has removed books from the shelves.
7: Utah's largest public school district is defending its decision to remove 52 books that some parents view as pornographic. The Alpine School District has roughly 84,000 students. The district decided to pull the books by 41 authors from its library shelves after an internal audit flagged them as sensitive material without literary merit. From the West Coast USA Radio
6: News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. I'm Tony Marissa for USA Radio News.
8: Mike Lindell and MyPillow offering the BOGO extravaganza right now on a whole slew of MyPillow products. Now you can find all sorts of great deals on MyPillow bed sheets, Giza Elegance My Pillow Six piece towel sets, Roll and Go Anywhere pillows, much more, all priced, buy one, get one free. Go to MyPillow.com slash USA, use promo code USA, or call one 800 951 8175 and find you some great My Pillow products they're all available oh by the way you can also get mike's book absolutely free with any purchase but you have to uh, go to mypillow.com slash usa or call 1-800-951-8175 and make sure you use the promo code the buy one get one extravaganza going on right now at mypillow.com
6: A kidnapped girl's escape in Alabama has led to the discovery of two decomposing bodies and the arrest of a man now facing murder and kidnapping charges. Police got a call Monday morning from a driver about a 12-year-old girl walking alone along County Road 34 in Dadeville, Tallapoosa County. Sheriff Jimmy Abbott said Tuesday at a news conference the girl had been restrained to bedpost for about a week, according to the criminal complaint. Jose Paulino Pascal Reyes, 37, was arrested Monday about 25 miles away in Auburn on suspicion of first-degree kidnapping by U.S. marshals and police, the sheriff said, adding other agencies are also on this case. U.S. job openings fell by the most in just over two years in June as demand for workers eased in the retail and wholesale trade industries. But overall, the labor market remains tight, allowing the Federal Reserve to continue raising interest rates. At least 4.2 million workers voluntarily quit their jobs in June and layoffs declined. This is USA Radio News. I want to dedicate this song
1: to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, it's very strange. I'm not really even defending Alex Jones. Um, I am kind of highlighting it strange to me, though, how Alex Jones is literally getting barbecued. But Hillary Clinton's fine. (laughs) What the heck? Alex Jones is getting barbecued and Ammon Bundy getting barbecued and James Edwards not getting fair play. And, uh, you know, you look at all this. Now they're pointing all the turrets at me. Um, guilt by association. Now, you guys are guilty, Brian and, and, and uh, Kelly. You guys are guilty, too, because, you know, you know me and I know James and James knows so and so. And, and believe it or not, you know, I've had uh, Stuart Rhodes on the radio and never mind that I've never joined this organization. Never mind that I think he's a nice guy and that I support the work of Oathkeeping that they do. And never mind that I've had him on uh, to keep up on what's happening with the organization. That's the whole point of Liberty Roundtable to have on different groups with different updates and everything else. Um, never mind that, uh, just, but guilt by association now. Hey, I'm responsible for January 6th. And so are you, Brian.
5: Well, great. Now what? I'm calling Kurt and trying to get some of that mild honey so that I can just relax and, Hey, uh, but
1: now you're going to bring Kurt into it. He'll go to jail, too, now, my friend. <laughs> so you can't beat be raw honey with your buddy and have great. that and be unnoticed, my friend. See, this is well, what I mean. I thought, go ahead, uh, Brian. No, you're right. Exactly right. <laughs> go on. Brian or Kelly, what What do you say on this, though? I, I look at this. They, this is the game there. It's a dangerous game they're playing, Kelly.
2: Well, it is. But, you know, you named all those people there, but only one of them really ends up killing people that, try to take them down so that that's why nothing happens to hillary because or bill because if anybody who's associated with that ends up dead so um i think they're they're afraid of that but uh, i think alex jones the, the chapter 11 thing is just to protect his assets because he knows all these people are going to sue him in civil court right
1: yeah, that's what I was driving at with the the Chapter 11 scenario is that, hey, it just allows him to basically force creditors to back off and let him restructure and let him remain in control. And it doesn't really change a whole lot for Alex, except for it stops the courts and stops the abuses because legally they can't come after him. It's like, hey, let's settle this uh, thing first. And then over time, it's going to be harder and harder. And then in the end of the day, what's left, right? In the end of the day, what what isn't protected? What can you do? And hey, as long as that. Judge appointed, uh, carrying out of the conservatorship or whatever it's called. Hey, you can't really mess with any of that stuff. It just halts everybody, doesn't
5: it? You're right, no doubt about it. It's kind of a sad, sad situation how the how the it seems like it's uh, ye who makes the money, um, or the rules, or the who is the. Who owns the gold? Makes the rules. Who owns the paper? Is that what it is? Or the fiat currency makes the rules? Is that? And that's kind of the way it's all unwinding here. We'll just create more money. We have the power. We have the money behind us. Not honest money, but it's 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 a lot of this uh, stacking up uh, greenbacks. Then they can make the rules.
1: All right, there you have that. Very very strange in my. Opinion. All right, let's get an honest money update, Brian. Well, your paper market
5: today is seventeen eighty one sixty.
1: All right, so gold is what again? 17 Seventeen eighty one sixty. All right, is that up or down? We haven't done this for a few weeks, so it's hard to, uh, it's to say. It's up
5: about.
1: It's about thirty three dollars higher than it was last week. All right, seventeen eighty one sixty, ladies and gentlemen silver
5: uh let's see twenty dollars and 24 cents
1: 20 20.24 that means silver's up quite a bit right or at least from well, a couple about of weeks 50, ago. 50 cents uh, from last week but yeah yeah and if you compare it to a few weeks ago uh, when we kind of reported this uh it's quite a bit up actually because it was 18 something 1860 yeah so it's so that's, well, yeah, you know it's, uh, silver that's a pretty big swing yeah. Uh yeah, That means the dollar's up. not doing as well is what it really means, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh,
5: is the dollar doing well? See, I never thought the dollar has been doing well for quite a long time.
1: What <laughs> do you think, Kelly? It means that the dollar's not doing quite as well, though. People gravitate towards metals when they feel a panic or anything else. And uh, you know what? The... um idea was hey the economy's in turmoil yeah but don't worry we're coming out of it yeah but inflation's out of control yeah but don't worry it's temporary it'll go away it's just uh it's not really systemic oh i guess it is systemic we're so sorry about that we lied we well we didn't really mean to but um and and now people are realizing it for what it is and they're gravitating towards safer havens kelly Uh uh-oh we'll try to get kelly back brian
5: yeah, you know, you're exactly right. They kind of watch that and just, you know, they they watch these peaks and valleys. But you know, the this market here is, is, is you know, that we when we're these prices are based on, you know, your kind of manipulation in in, in that market. Uh, you know, it's, it's just you know if you look at back in years and, years and years and years and years, you kind of see these this this manipulation or so on, and and it's allowing the well, they find that these big institutions uh, who, you know, the JP Morgans and the Citibank's and So, it, it you know, as, as far as that, there's, you know, because then they say it's part of doing business, but they manipulate that market up and down to whatever they need to do to, in their best interest, right? If they need to, you know, they drop that market and they want to buy physical metal, which they've been doing. And, and why would they do that? Shoot, if you're making, you know, $5 billion a year, why do you need to? worry about the metal. Well, they can you play this game on paper and so on and and they're still they're still putting away metal. Why would they do that? Okay, well, maybe there's something to that. Why is, you know, Warren Buffett or other big tech guys and so on putting away metal? Well, it's part of protecting their assets, I would say.
1: Kelly, to catch you up and let you respond to this, I was basically saying, hey, the dollar's not doing as well. They wanted you to believe that the inflation was just temporary. Don't worry about it. Now its uh, persistence is virtually permanent. People are saying a recession's on the way. The debate now really is how bad will it be. Uh, Time will tell all that. But the reality is um, people are fleeing the metal. People are fleeing to safer havens, Kelly. Well, yeah, and they
2: just changed the definition of recession you know, it was two quarters of uh, lack of growth. And then they're like, well, we got that. Well, yeah, but that's not the, that's not the technical definition. And it's like, well, here you are saying, you know, two years ago, here's what a recession is, you know? So they they just changed the, you know, the definition, just like they changed, you know, the CPI, (laughs) what everybody, you know, what it is that causes inflation, you know, we're going to get rid of steak and substitute chicken for it. And, so they just change the rules. And and people believe it though. People are like, yeah, yeah, the government would never lie to me. Um, you know, what the, I, I believe what they say over what anybody else says. So, yeah, that they, they just change the rules. And so there's gonna be some people that are in the know and there's gonna be some people that are totally blindsided. You know? And and I come I have family members, you know, that are they're those blue pill people. They just wanna believe the best and Hope for the best, and you know, don't want to hear anything bad. And it's like, you know, he, is prepared. He, he who is prepared will not fear. And so that's what it is, you know. And and every every couple of years they have to change who the bad guy is. You know, right now it's Japan taking the hit with the yen, and because you know one cor- currency gets too strong, and so they'll, you know, do it around. So it's the U.S.'s turn to be to be the strong currency, you know, and. And they just have to keep this game going so that people think they're doing something, but they're they're clueless too.
1: Well, and now it turns out that Wikipedia tries to change the definition of recession forty-one times. So, <laughs> so the question now is: Hey, did um, Biden try to change the term recession? Well, it depends on how you define facts, Brian. <laughs> that's right. Well, it's like
5: to change, change the game, every all these things. and that's the kind of thing we're talking about, even at the start. I mean, you know, you're, you know, you're guilty by association, but you know, or you're just guilty, you know, because of this or that. I mean, it's they, they change the rules, or you know, and there's no there's no accountability for that because they just keep changing this aspect and changing this aspect and. And like Kelly said, people just, well, the government wouldn't lie to me. I mean, we've been supporting our money our taxes. I mean, we're all helping. And, yeah, well, like, well, you change the rules, you know. We're playing Monopoly, and I've got the hotels down there on on boardwalk and whatever it is, those two main places. Hey, and and I've got hotels. Where, I mean, we changed the game. and So in that sense, it's just – so is there – do we – Is it a win? We're hoping to get a win here because it just seems like, you know, we can't get to where we want to. That accountability to where we're really seeing because we're just not seeing the truth. I mean, they pull another slide down in front of your face, and this is really what's happening when in reality it's not. So it's a
2: well, they're, they're, saying, it's a, and, they're saying it's not a recession because the job market's so good.
1: Well, yeah, you changed the rules on how we found right.
2: unemployment. Yeah, all right, hang tight. Let's have Kelly
1: respond to this back in a second. I got another question, too. If I refuse to use the R word, does that, in effect, change the definition as well? Kelly Finnegan, Brian Rust on your radio.
3: The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine.
1: all right did joe biden change the definition of recession well number one he's refusing to use the r word so does that mean it's changed just by not referring to it well then some say well no we're not really in a recession even though it's defined as kind of back to back quarters of of turmoil and trouble across the spectrum, well, if you change the spectrum and narrow the focus, hey, we're not going to include beef. We're just going to replace it with chicken if needs be. Uh, and then we're going to go ahead and say the job market's really good. I mean, everybody uh, has a few jobs, and, I mean, everybody's uh, running around saying they need uh, employees. The job market's phenomenal, Kelly.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's when you don't count people, you know, well, they're not looking for work anymore, so they don't count as unemployed. Well, they're not working, right? So, um, yeah, and and they're like, well, you know, recessions are usually called, you know, a couple of years later, they can look back at it. Well, yeah, this one's so blatant right now. You can say we're in a recession right now. I mean, that's that's how bad it is, and and they can't do anything about it. You know, Paul Volcker right now, they they would, you know, put him in a little cell saying, you're nuts if you want to do what you want to do. But he was trying to save the dollar, you know. And, and 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 the economy and now it's just you know the, the dollar has to save face and uh, you know and it has to be the reserve currency so yeah it's and, and it's not going to be because they're messing around with it you know and and they won't they won't learn the lesson they you know, it's just like they just keep changing the rules and uh, and and people believe it so yeah frustrating.
1: Amen, but you know what, Brian, the liberals say we're not changing the definitions at all. We're just updating <laughs> guidance, my friend, and not using the r word because it's not helpful <laughs> yeah. it causes it's causing some havoc when they cha-
5: they change the r word they they just write another page to their book and and, uh, and we kind of follow suit' we're, you know it's It's ridiculous i I get a kick out every time and have been for years and years and years when they say, Oh, we've seen strength in the dollar Well, how do you, How do you show strength in the dollar? I mean we don't you know if we don't we're not talking about the deficit the deficit or any of that spending or all that and and you know that each individual, whether they used to do that where you, each individual owes this much of this debt. How come we're not showing any of that? Well, hey, we don't want to excite any kind of rioting or anything people might get irritated or upset. But, yeah, if we if we don't talk about it, it's not there. So it's just kind of, there you go. If we're going to change it. And maybe they ch- change the, the word to something else or whatever. But,
2: yeah. Well, and they just no got Joe Manchin, Joe, Joe Manchin to sign off on this thing because it has the words anti-inflation in the title. So it's got to be, you know, anti-inflation. All
1: right.
2: Going to pay down the deficit, <laughs> $300 billion. And it's like, that's a drop in the bucket, Joe.
1: Well, then what they say, what they say is Donald Trump Jr. stated in a Twitter post, quote, apparently the White House is changing the definition of a recession this week so we can pretend we're not in one. Okay, but then they fire (laughs) back and say, no, listen, Joe doesn't define recessions. There's a group of economists uh, that define this and there's all kinds of factors that go into it. And so then they point to this quote working group that can just redefine recession whenever they want to so if, if if biden doesn't use the r word and if he says the job market's strong and we're not in a recession because his quote private working economist group doesn't declare one then you see we're not really in one uh you understand well, that and you gotta understand okay. that it's a recession when <clears throat> when uh, you know my buddy doesn't have a job it's a depression when i don't have a job and me and my buddy both have jobs see what i'm saying
2: yeah, but you're working yeah. two jobs and you're delivering pizzas. So, so that's, that's yeah. Good. What's but, wrong with but, that? But, Don't you, you like know, pizza? But you're at, you're start. anti-pizza, aren't you? No, I love pizza. Actually. Oh,
1: good and for you. And, uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an, a
2: great American food. It's nothing like a. But but pizza.
1: that's how they do it. They're like you. You hate pizza, and if you say no, I like pizza, then you're like, yeah, but you only like you know thin crust or whatever. And we're off on yep. some whacked-out, crazy tangent to distract yeah, people, Yeah, then they Brian. take you
2: off the – yep. But when, Go when, ahead, and, Kelly really and really, Ryan. Really quick, what what they – you know, the guys in charge, they're never going to say things are bad. I've never heard anybody come out and say, you know what, the president – you know, we're in the middle of a recession right now. Well, that's like you're admitting that you, you lost and you're out of control. You know, I mean, they're never going to, you know, say that they are losing – They'll never say that they never come out and say that they're like well we're having some struggles but boy we've got some great plans and we're going to do this what are your plans well you know we we got to keep those secret because you know if we let it out it won't happen and, and people okay you know they're they're working on it and it's like they you know their forecasting is to look in the rear view mirror. That's,
1: that's how they forecast, <laughs> you know. All right, but yeah, I got good news, Brian, ready? <clears throat> ready for the good news, Brian? Well, wait, well, wait yeah, a second. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was thinking, yeah. You, 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 were, you were talking
5: about pizza. Isn't there dough in pizza? Hey, oh, maybe good it's point. the dough. You know, there's money, dough, <laughs> dough. I don't know. Sorry. Well, if everybody gets
1: pizza, then everybody will have a lot of dough. Oh, that's and it. And we couldn't be that's in a recession that's where with a going. lot of dough. <laughs> Hey, you got a lot of dough there. Nobody's in recession with that much dough going on. That's right. In fact, what we're going to do is we're not going to sell thin crust pizzas anymore because they don't have enough dough in them. We're only going to sell the, uh, what are they called, the pan pizzas? What are those called? Deep dish? Thick crust. You're only going to get deep dish, thick, thick dough, plenty of dough pizza. The other ones would be kind of a farce on the economy, Kelly. That's right.
2: Uh, I know. I'm, I'm a big downer on this. And, and now you've outed me that I'm going to be on this blacklist, you know. Yeah,
1: so. well. <laughs> yeah, it's curtains for you, buddy. I'm telling you right now, that's you might right. as well go get your last pizza while you can.
2: Yeah. You
5: know, one factor, you were talking about recession. I think uh, Bank of England's uh, warning of uh, long-time recession here. They're, they're kind of saying it's going to happen. They're going to have yeah, to Yeah, I guess them. they don't
1: have to follow that Joe definition either. They're not even in the country, so it doesn't apply to them, does it? And you That's better right. watch
2: out for Brian Kills. He'll sell you out,
1: Sam. Good point. I'm going to tell you who is in a recession, though. You ready? Yeah. Turns out that this guy lost $187 million in Bitcoin. He lost yeah. $187 million in Bitcoin. I know you can't lose money there because it's all transparent. But anyway, he did. And he has an idea on how he can get it back. You guys ready for this? Yeah. The guy's name is James Howell. And he's got his latest plan, and it involves AI, they claim, artificial intelligence. But what you got to understand with this dude <clears throat> is he literally, um, well, I guess his uh, he accidentally tossed a hard drive containing all those Bitcoins in the trash. Well, buddy, then that sucker went off to the dump before they realized it, man. And so now he doesn't have his money because it's tied up on this hard drive, right? Now, this happened back in 2013 for all you Bitcoiners, okay? He accidentally tossed the hard drive containing 8,000 Bitcoins in the trash, all right? Now, his wealth in the trash unfindable has gone up and down over the last nine years. <laughs> um, at the niche of the peak, they would be worth three times that amount, right? 187 million times three is what it would be worth uh, at some spots during the loss. But here's what he's going to do. He's trying to get permission to access the dump in Newport, Wales. So this is in Wales. And what he wants to do is he wants to dig it all up, buddy. It would cost like $11 million to dig all this up and try to sift through it with AI and find the hard drive. Because, A, local government officials have denied him the ability to get to this. But he's convinced if he could do it, he could use this satellite facility, this AI capability to sift through the trash and the ai camera eye if you will would watch for the hard drive until it finds it he could get it back and recover it the battle's on they won't let him right now uh, but he but he believes if he keeps pushing it just might happen and so he's in a recession big time brian <laughs> yeah
5: well i you know <clears throat> i would think that if he if he if he tossed this in the trash That Bitcoin would be going up because now there's less coin. You know, right now, as long as he doesn't have it, it's in the dump somewhere. There's less making a, a smaller amount available, which would drive the price up. So maybe, I don't know, why is it coming down if he's lost that much? And that should drive the price up maybe a little.
1: Yeah, there you go. But if he finds them, then I don't know what will happen with that, though. Then then it'd come back down. I thought it was transparent, though, where you could track the money all the way. It's tracked to his hard drive. The problem is you can't find the hard drive. See what I mean? So I think it's kind of like your cell phone lost its beacon finder or something like that. It ran out of batteries, or I don't know what equivalent that would be, but it's only so transparent in reality, ladies and gentlemen. And that is my uh, point. He's a super rich poor guy is what he is right now, just so you know. Uh, he's got right. all this money offered, if he can just find it, right?
2: He offered the city like fifty million dollars if they would, you know, let him do that and and, and they're you know, like 20%, no. Yeah, twenty percent of bitcoins <laughs> are lost. Either people have forgotten their passwords or they've been tossed on hard drives back, you know, when they were nothing. And the first use of bitcoins was to buy pizza and the guy paid ten thousand bitcoins to buy pizza. And, and he said he, that was what it was for. It was supposed to be a currency. And now that's not what it's being used for. So it's, it's not fulfilling its
1: purpose. Well, and if I find a way to access that Bitcoin and somehow assign it to my hard drive, you doggie, I'll be able to buy plenty of pizza. I'll have dough everywhere, Brian. <laughs> what's the song? I'm in the money. I heard that. Wow. <laughs> All right. Last story before the end of the hour, gentlemen. Headline says this. Credit scores for millions were wrong as Equifax, quote, glitch, reports faults over three weeks, possibly changing interest rates and loan rejections for many. Incorrect credit scores for millions of U.S. consumers seeking loans were sent by Equifax to banks, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. Do you want to respond to this one, Kelly?
2: Well, and all a credit score says is that you're really good at borrowing money and paying it back. So, you know, I had a friend that had a zero credit score because he paid cash for everything. And I'd much rather take a check from him than somebody who's heavily in debt as a, you know, a, a 750
1: credit score. Wow. Just a number. It's just a number, but they single-handedly these private groups, TransUnion, uh, Equifax, and what's the third one? Um, TransUnion, Equifax, and. Ought to think of it. Anyway, the cr- three credit card, three credit score companies literally control the world, Brian.
5: Well, it's, it's just like anything else. If if you can control that number, I can get you some money, or I can't get you some money, or I can, you know, it's there again with the stroke of a pen. You can kind of accomplish their agenda, right? Regardless of what it's true or not.
1: It's TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian are the three, by the way. I just it slipped my mind for a quick second. They literally control the world. And then the next question is: Are you going to have a social credit score? Is that going to be tied to your real credit score? Are they going to wrap this up like China and say Kelly's in, but Brian's out, and Sam's out, but Kurt's in? I don't know. (laughs) We'll keep an eye on this ball, but we better get a handle on liberty, ladies and gentlemen, and we better do it fast. Thank you, Kelly. Yep, thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. Hey, glad to be with you, Sam. You're doing a great job. Thank you, gentlemen. RussCuttingGift.com. you got a friend in the coin business, and God save the republic.
0: Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio, talk, radio. Show talk Show.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman on your radio. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. This is the broadcast for August the 4th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our two of two and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our Founding Fathers. Yes, indeed. We use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the constitution for the United States of America is our guide. The checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers. What are the great peaceful solutions we have at our fingertips? And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for great restoration of the freest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Hopefully, the great restoration is underway. Wow. Uh, Anyway, there's so much news, it's hard to know what to even cover. But I got some interesting tidbits for you, and then a great interview for you. How's that? Let's do it. It all continues now, if you will. Rutgers University. Guy's a microbiologist. His name is Dr. Richard Ebright. Or Ebright? I don't know. Eve and then Bright, so E. Bright, I guess, he testified before the U.S. Congress, the U.S. Senate, actually, on Wednesday, and he testified that top public health officials lied about dangerous gain-of-function. They call it G-O-F, gain-of-function, right? Anyway, research... Experiments conducted in China? Yeah. He said they lied. And he directly uh, is now uh, at odds with Fauci and the rest of the clowns that have said forever, no, 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 no. But this guy says, oh, yes. Oh, yes, you can't play games with the definitions. These definitions are real. And you can't change the definition, and you can't deny the definition. And so now, believe it or not, senators on a key Homeland Security Subcommittee are arguing for an expansive review of of gain-of-function research, which opponents are saying and are arguing that it may have created the COVID-19 virus. Yeah, this will be during a first-ever kind of hearing on Wednesday. So what do you think of that now? Now we literally have a microbiologist testifying before the Senate, literally saying your government lied about gain-of-function research, and he's standing up. And now uh, certain members of Congress in the Senate or the, yeah, senators on a key homeland security, they're saying we got to dig into this. we got to get to the bottom of this. This is a serious problem. It might have even uh, been the creation of. Yeah, might have been the creation of the coronavirus. What do you think of that, folks? I think it's riveting. But I also think it's what we've been kind of telling you all along, right? We've been saying that gain-or-function research uh, is the cause. We've been saying that out of a, what is it, North Carolina lab, I think it is. Uh, We've been saying that our work with the communist Chinese and the work in the Ukraine and all these things we're saying that Fauci and others created the coronavirus, that it was created in a lab and intentionally released. We've been saying that for a long time. For the first couple of weeks when the corona came out, we hesitated a little bit because we wanted to get our details right. We wanted to really uh, understand what we're talking about. And there's been plenty of confusion and subterfuge and everything else regarding this. But folks, we've been telling you, And telling you, and telling you, and every time we tell you, they say, oh, they don't have any credentials, they're fake news, they're conspiracy theorists, they're nuts on parade, they're crazy. But folks, the truth shall set you free. All right, now you've literally got a key microbiologist standing up against Fauci. And it's at Rutgers University, microbiologist, Dr. Richard Ebright. And he's saying, look, the government lied to you. And now senators on a key Homeland Security subcommittee are arguing for an expansive review of gain of function research, which opponents argue may have created the COVID-19 virus. That's critical, folks. That's serious. And the problem that I have is why have they been allowed to attack me for telling the truth? I got deplatformed from Twitter for telling uh, a a headline, repeating a headline from an Israeli news organization, a large Israeli news organization, uh, and then a a, um, United States organization that carried that story too, saying, hey, more people are dying from the coronavirus shot than they are from the coronavirus itself over there in Israel. Well, literally, uh, Twitter shut my account down saying you got to retract that fake news. If you do, we'll put you back up. And I wouldn't retract it because it's not fake news. It's a legitimate news organization reporting this, and I'm merely reporting what they're reporting. Do I have that right? Do I have that free speech right or no? Twitter says no, and they shut me down. I say yes, and I'm refusing to back down to Twitter. I'm not going to retract it because it's true. It's true that it is factual, but it's even more true that that's what they're reporting. So I never claimed the facts of it. They're claiming the facts. I merely, you know, retweeted or the equivalent of the headline saying, look, this is what's in the news, folks. The problem is they don't want you to see that in the United States. It's an international story, and they wanted to block it, blackball the story from the press in America. That's the problem that I'm having. Anyway, now this Rutgers University microbiologist Richard Ebright is taking on Fauci. And now Senate leaders like Rand Paul and others are saying, "Yep, we've been telling you that too. We need to dig into this more with our subcommittees." I don't have a lot of confidence in the government subcommittees; I really don't. Uh, but I will say, at least it's it's you know proving our point. It's highlighting what we've been saying all along. It's somewhat truth telling, and we got to focus on it now. What we really need is a uh, several hundred microbiologists and doctors and experts and whatever the other professionals supposedly need to be to, to to claim, you know, knowledge on this. We need them to stand up and say, yes, that's true. Shame on Fauci. You're wrong. We've had a few people stand up, but the people that have stand stood up have been attacked relentlessly and their whole credibility has been jeopardized over standing up, right? I mean, that's really kind of the, Problem here. All right, Dr. Robert Malone explains why COVID boosted people are getting even more bad news. But see, now they attack Robert Malone. He was a rock star when he was one of the people that was literally um creating vaccines. Now he's saying, hey, they're not as safe and effective as you believed, and be careful, be careful, be careful, say says Robert Malone. And now they attack him and say he's a quack. He's off his rock. He's a conspiracy theorist nut. But COVID-19 vaccines hinder the immune systems and leads to more severe illness, Dr. Robert Malone highlights. This is serious. This is serious indeed, especially in the wake of this uh Biologist microbiologist saying Fauci lied. They say COVID boosted people get more bad news. Wow. Our buddy Josh Phillips is on the story from the Epoch Times. But a study out of the United Kingdom now has shown that healthcare workers who receive multiple COVID-19 boosters... After initially being infected with a virus strain, are more chronic. I'm sorry, are more prone to chronic reinfections. This may help you understand why people who have received multiple boosters are increasingly the ones who end up in the hospital with severe COVID-19 symptoms, often resulting in death," said now scientists, and Dr. Robert Malone. Malone, he's an inventor of the mRNA vaccine technology. He said this phenomenon is a result of a process called immune imprinting. While initial exposure to a virus strain may prevent the, bi- the body from producing enough neutralizing antibodies against the newer strain. <laughs> this is just hard to even... This is hard to even deal with, isn't it? When you read this stuff, you just go, what the heck? Yeah. This is what we're talking about. I I don't know how to respond to this kind of stuff, folks. We're just getting more and more evidence. This process is part of a phenomenon called immune imprinting, whereby... Initial exposure to a virus strain may prevent the body from producing enough neutralizing antibodies against the newer strain. This process is reinforced by multiple inoculations. In other words, it gets worse the more you inoculate. All over the world, we're seeing these data sets that show that, you know what? Hey, the highly vaccinated are the ones that are getting hospitalized more than anybody else folks how do you deal with this stuff quick pause i am sam bushman
5: this is a battle a battle between truth and deceit
3: Read it, know it, share it. Freedomfactor.org. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com.
5: I think that my family has always had a big influence on me for not smoking because since I was little, I was taught that smoking was wrong.
3: Recent
7: studies indicate that smoking among teens often leads to the use of alcohol and other drugs.
9: I think having faith in God is a big part in it because the way I was raised has helped to avoid smoking.
7: Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
1: All right, back with you live. There's just... So much here, it's shocking. The Epic Times doing a phenomenal job. Anyway, that's enough on vaccines. Every time we talk about them, we get more and more evidence of the dangers of and the ill effects of vaccinations, folks. We told you not to take them, and we maintain our stance. The supposed experts now have got a lot of egg on their face, baby. And the more evidence every day proves the point. Shame on them, because it's one thing if they believe in vaccines for them to say, "Look, we're just." you know, pushing and promoting our beliefs. I have the right to do that too, by the way, if you didn't remember. Uh, But they tried to force their will on us. And they're supposed to be the experts. And they mocked us claiming we were not the experts and therefore we didn't know. But then again, us conspiracy theorists turned out to be conspiracy fact. They created and plotted and released the coronavirus and the vaccine and they ruined our whole society in a great reset over it. They can say that's conspiracy, but you go look at the train wreck of economic turmoil, the train wreck of people's health on the wake of their coup, if you will, and you say I'm a conspiracy theorist, just look at the evidence, folks. The economy's in shambles, people's health in shambles, uh, and so if I'm a conspiracy theorist, there's sure a lot of death, bad health, economic meltdown in the wake of of my conspiracy theory, huh? Anyway, I want to repeat this so that you understand. This phenomenon they're talking about is the result of a process called immune imprinting, where initial exposure to a virus strain may prevent the body from producing enough, neutralizing antibodies against a newer strain. So in other words, you take coronavirus vaccine, You don't get enough of it and it basically retards your body's ability to respond to the next one does that make sense your body is uh, has been put in a retarded state and I don't mean that in an offensive way I'm not talking about mentally ill people okay the term retardation is used in a lot of different settings but it retards your body's ability it slows down your body's ability to um, build up enough antibodies To the next one. Because it's different. So you don't have the neutralizing bodies. This process is increased. Or reinforced by multiple inoculations. In other words, it makes it worse the more vaccines you get. Think about that, folks. You've got doctors that are documenting this. Regardless of what your mainstream press says. And they're getting egg on their face everywhere. All right. The next question. Do you support busing illegals? To D.C.? I think it's an interesting question Uh, because what happened is, remember, the border leaks like a sieve, and Joe says it's not a crisis, it's no problem, it's all good. Everybody else in the streets and in life, they're panicking. It's kind of like trying to define recession. Joe says we're not in one, don't worry, there's jobs everywhere, and everybody else says, yeah, we're in one. And then uh, someone says, well, you just changed the definition, and someone says, no, I didn't, Um, you know, and we debate that. Uh, Same thing with the border. You know, uh, Joe says the border's fine. Uh, everybody else, including county sheriffs all over the country and everybody else saying, look, we're getting overwhelmed by illegals. So what happened is some, um, Texas governor, Greg Abbott and others started saying, we're going to, and some sheriffs, we're going to just start busing the illegals to Washington, DC. Then if it's not a problem, why don't you take them? So they started busting them to DC, just like Joe's busing them all around the country. Uh, and now people in DC are starting to go, wait a minute, we got a problem with the illegals, man. And the uh, Texas folks are saying, welcome to our world. Well, the battle's on. And the debate now is, hey, what gives? Do you support busing illegals to D.C.? And my response is, I don't. I get that you want D.C. to feel the pain. I understand all that. Uh, and And I get that to some degree that's working, but it's not really working. Joe is still in his mansion, the people's mansion, if you will. Uh, by illegal means in other words election fraud just my opinion to which i'm entitled uh and uh then you know so joe doesn't care he's got bodyguards and and, and uh, security and everything else right uh and so he won't care and he won't know and he won't admit it and he'll just deny it and but the people are suffering all across this country i would submit that the sheriff needs to de- to deport these criminals And I would say that we we need to have a real check. So I don't think peacefully putting them on a bus and sending them to D.C. is the answer. If you're going to send them somewhere, send them out of the country would be my response. So I appreciate the sheriff's trying to have a political battle. But sending them to D.C. is just a political discussion. Because if you're not careful, then they'll get a non-private organization backed by churches that will just, whenever they arrive to D.C., send them elsewhere. In other words, passing the buck isn't the answer. Sending them out of the country and finding a way to uphold our laws would be the real answer. So if you say, do we send them to D.C. or not, Sam? I would say, I guess if those are the only two choices, yes, send them to D.C. Uh, Because at least then the D.C. folks kind of feel the pain and get it. But it's not solving the problem at all. It's just passing the buck and playing political football. The fact is you've got to uphold the law and, and get rid of them, send them out of the country. They don't belong here. Uh, And you would say, Sam, aren't we kind? Aren't we our brother's neighbor? Aren't we ministers of Jesus Christ? Yeah, we are, but we still can't support illegal activity. That's the problem is we need to update our laws. We need to shut the illegal door big time, but we need to increase the legal door. Why do I spend so much time on it? Because I just met a guy yesterday who is an Indian, or he's from India. uh, And he immigrated to the United States. And I talked to him, and he was the nicest guy in the world. I said, hey, are you a U.S. citizen? He said, yes, of course I am. I said, really, why did you come? He said, because I wanted to be able to prosper. I couldn't prosper in my own country, but I knew if I came to America, I could prosper. Doesn't that tell the whole story, folks? And so I said to him, I said, well, you know, how? Uh, tell me about coming here. And he said, look, it was a long, hard road. It was very difficult to come here the right way. And I just was so shocked at what he said. I commend him, what a hero. He comes to America, he knows the prosperity and the blessings that America provides. And he says, I wanna come here the right way. So he gets his legal papers in in order and he becomes an American citizen. Guy's a hero. So I don't support busing illegals to DC because I think it's just passing the political football and uh, creating a great media story, but it's not really getting hardcore. Shut the illegal door and opened the legal door to where people could come here like that gentleman who had a long, hard road to get here, but he did it right. Why don't we make his road easier? Huh? Why don't we make his road easier? That's what I would recommend, see? Um, I would really recommend that, big time, right? Because that's what we need to do, folks. We really do. All right, we're going to have an interview that I conducted at, at the Freedom Fest. Guy's name is Dave Shistokas. He's an attorney. He's also an author of two incredible books. Constitutional Soundbites is the first one, and Creating the Declaration of Independence, another one. If you want to learn more, go to his website, S H E S T O K A S S H E S T O K A S.com. Dave Shistokas. And we talked about his educational constitutional series called Constitutionally Speaking, where he talks about the Declaration is the inspiration and the Constitution is the execution. That is such a good phrase. I want to start using it in my program more. Not to steal it from him but because he's so spot on right about this. The Declaration is the inspiration and the Constitution is the execution. Boy, howdy, is that a good way to put it. Because that means we don't need to go back to the Declaration to the Articles of Confederation. We don't need. To, we need to use the supreme law of the land. We need to use the execution documents, the supreme law, as the guidance. Whether it be the border patrol uh, and protecting our borders, whether it be slamming the illegal immigration door shut but opening a legal, appropriate way for people to come to America, make sure that the people who want to come come for the right reasons, etc. Uh, whether it be uh, honest money, whether it be look, the Constitution is the execution. It is the guide, the solution, the answer, right? Every time it's the answer. And we talk about this really to some degree uh, to have to the point where it's just like, are you saying this against that? Yes, I am. Because I don't think we as a people get it enough, right? I don't think we as a people really internalize what I'm talking about. It's like, Sam, I hear you and I agree. Everybody I talk to almost. Everybody I talk to almost, when I tell them what our show's about, I say, it's hardcore. You probably won't like it. And they're like, well, it depends on what it's about. And then I eventually say, hey, if it's constitutional, I love it. And if it's not, you know what? I hate it. And really, to a person, they go, well, man, I agree with that. And then I say, it means that I get rid of 90% of the government. And then they start to hesitate and go, hmm Because they don't really realize how unconstitutional our system has become. Uh, But then I say, look, if it's God, family, and country that we're promoting, and if it's protecting life, liberty, and property, and if it's constitutional, I'm in all the way. And they say, well, I agree with that. And then I say, look, I stand for the proper role of constitutional government. I stand with the supreme law of our land. They generally agree and say, good for you. We need more of that. My response Amen. That's why we're here.
0: Pursuing liberty. Using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. I'm
6: Tony Maruso reporting. By an overwhelming 86 to 11 vote, the Senate Tuesday night gave final passage to a bill that ramps up health care and disability benefits for veterans exposed to burn pits and other toxins. The PACT Act of 2022 passed Tuesday night. Pat Toomey, who led the Republicans installing the measure, warned that it included what he calls a trick that would permit indiscriminate spending. And the school in Utah has removed books from the shelves.
7: Utah's largest public school district is defending its decision to remove 52 books that some parents view as pornographic. The Alpine School District has roughly 84,000 students. The district decided to pull the books by 41 authors from its library shelves after an internal audit flagged them as sensitive material without literary merit. From the West Coast, USA Radio News
6: Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. I'm Tony Maruso for USA Radio News.
8: Mike Lindell and MyPillow offering the BOGO extravaganza right now on a whole slew of MyPillow products. Now you can find all sorts of great deals on MyPillow bedsheets, Giza Elegance MyPillow, Six piece towel sets, Roll & Go Anywhere pillows, much more, all priced, buy one, get one free. Go to MyPillow.com slash USA, use promo code USA, or call 1-800-951-8175 and find you some great MyPillow products. They're all available. Oh, by the way, you can also get Mike's book absolutely free with any purchase, but you have to uh, go to MyPillow.com slash USA or call one 800 951 8175 and make sure you use the promo code the buy one get one extravaganza going on right now at mypillow.com a
6: kidnapped girl's escape in alabama has led to the discovery of two decomposing bodies and the arrest of a man now facing murder and kidnapping charges police got a call monday morning from a driver about a 12 year old girl walking alone along county road 34 in dadeville tallapoosa county Sheriff Jimmy Abbott said Tuesday at a news conference the girl had been restrained to bedpost for about a week, according to the criminal complaint. Jose Paulino Pascal Reyes, 37, was arrested Monday, about 25 miles away in Auburn, on suspicion of first-degree kidnapping by U.S. Marshals and police, the sheriff said, adding other agencies are also on this case. U.S. job openings fell by the most in just over two years in June as demand for workers eased in the retail and wholesale trade industries. But overall, the labor market remains tight, allowing the Federal Reserve to continue raising interest rates. At least 4.2 million workers voluntarily quit their jobs in June and layoffs declined. This is USA Radio News.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so we did a bunch of interviews at Freedom Fest. It was a phenomenal time. Man, I've been on the road so much this last, um, I don't know what, quarter and a half, if you want to say that. A little beyond the summer. It's just been amazing. Um, incredible experiences, I might add. So it's been really worth it. But, man, it's been taxing, exhausting, and we're not done yet. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for a, a few more on-the-road ventures this year. Boy, howdy, have we traveled. All right. this interview with Dave starts now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, happy to have you along. Sam Bushman continuing live from Freedom Fest, baby. It's day four. And, man, the incredible guests just keep coming, folks. Dave Shistokas is with me. And Dave is a very interesting guy from Illinois. And he ran for attorney general. Uh, Didn't work out perfect. But you know what? There's two reasons to run for office. (laughs) One is to win, obviously. Uh, that did not happen. But the other one is to hold people accountable and create educational discussions, uh, which does happen. And whenever you have a constitutionalist candidate standing up and they deliver the real sound bites, the real information, then it creates real discussion, real debate, real information that does absolutely make a difference. It holds them accountable. It moves the whole discussion a lot more constitutional than it would have been otherwise. So there's a lot of reasons to run for office. And he did a great job uh, from what we understand in that. Not only is the attorney... Not only did he run for office, um, but he's also a constitutional scholar, and he's an author of two books. Constitutional Soundbites is one of them, and Creating the Declaration of Independence is the other. Now, um, if you want to learn more about Dave, you got to go to his website, which is shestokas.com. S-H-E-S-T-O-K-A-S, shestokas.com. Dave, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you, Sam. All right. Now, this is kind of cool. I want to learn about who Dave is. Who are you, my friend?
9: Uh, I'm an attorney. I've been an attorney for about 35 years. On the other hand, I delivered my first case of beer when I was five years old. What? Uh, so, my, my family was beer wholesalers. My dad used to take me to uh, picnics on the weekends, and I literally delivered my first case of beer when I was five years old. I didn't become a lawyer until I was 35. So, it's only a little bit longer now that I've been a lawyer than I was a beer guy. What kind of beer? Uh, Was mainly Schlitz. Schlitz, Mart liquor? Yes, mainly Schlitz. During of course, uh, my grandfather started. You got the Schlitz
1: Tallboys, are you delivering there, matey? (laughs) Indeed. You also studied in Ireland, is why I'm kind of having fun with that a little bit, right?
9: Absolutely. No, I went to Trinity College in Dublin as part of my law school. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, but that was uh, that was more uh, more associated with Guinness than uh, than, than Schlitz, you know.
1: <laughs> Why are you off the beer and on the attorney stuff? What happened there? Um, you
9: know, a long time ago, when I was like a a, a small kid, I was uh, standing on a uh, on a park bench. I was probably seven or eight years old, and my grandfather walked by and he saw me kind of giving a speech to a bunch of other little kids in front of me. And the, my grandfather said, "You know, that boy's going to be a lawyer," and uh, <laughs> that's what uh, that's what it turned out to be. Now, tell me, uh,
1: there's, a, there's a debate, and I want to get your take on this, okay? I know this is a sidebar for the reason that you're on the radio, but it, you know, hopefully you can just fly with me. It, not only is Dave um, incredible at being an attorney, delivering beer, doing all these things, but he was a talk show host for quite a while as well from Florida, and uh, so that's what kind of created the Constitutional Soundbites book, which we'll get into in a bit. But I feel like I can kind of take you off target if you're a former talk show host. You'll get this just fine. Um, but tell me, uh, what does the word bar mean? You know how attorneys pass the bar? Yes, I do. There's a big debate about this. Are you familiar with this? I don't know what you mean by the debate. Why don't you give me the debate? All right. So um, the mainstream or the government or I don't know who you want to talk to, um, they say that the bar um, is just a divider in the court. And the, the divider in the court divides the kind of average person that attends, say, a court proceedings from the attorneys and the judges and everybody else. It's kind of a dividing line. That's what the bar means. And passing the bar just means kind of an exam that you take, right? That's, exact, that's exactly correct. That's
9: the history behind the term bar is that in terms of the fact that lawyers and uh, other court personnel are allowed to go past the bar and stand in the well of the
1: court. And that's kind of what your license is, allows you to do. I understand. And that's all, you know, I understand that history and I understand that basic explanation. But a lot of people are saying that the bar means something else, uh, which means it's basically you're, you're kind of a loyalty to the British crown. Are you...
9: Yeah, I've heard I've heard some of that, and people put that forward. But the fact is, is you know, pursuant to Article Six of the United States Constitution, and the fact that lawyers are considered officers of the court and, i.e., judicial officers, we in fact, in terms of admission to the bar, have to take an oath to obey, support, and protect the Constitution of the United States. So there's no there's no relationship between the um, between that theory of um, your uh, loyalty to the British crown, your loyalty is to the United States Constitution.
1: Uh, so you don't believe that, that bar means what they say it does and that when you're a member of the bar that that's what you're committing to?
9: No, that's, that's, that's clearly not, not what you're committing to. You have to raise your hand and swear, um, pursuant, again, to Article 6 of the Constitution that requires an oath. Um, for so every... if if
1: the word bar means nothing but a kind of denote or designator in the court or whatever, how can they um, make you a member of a bar or kick you out of the bar or disbar you? The reason I ask this is because they disbarred Giuliani. They did. They also are, they tried to disbar Sidney Powell, right? They have. So I, I don't mean to play games. I'm not trying to trap you. I'm just trying to really understand. I'm not an attorney. I'm a pretty educated guy to some degree. But, you know, hey, how what's, what's the deal, though? If it's just a bar that separates the court, and. You can't get kicked out of that, can you? Well, you can get kicked out of the license,
9: having the license to practice law. I mean, the term bar goes well beyond just being able to go across this little barrier. It it involves your ability to file uh, file papers in court and to represent other individuals in court. There's a whole lot of things that go associated with that. And, of course, that's what they did to to the mayor in New York for no good reason— That that we could we could talk about that for a long time, which, by the way, I was in court with Mayor Giuliani. Uh, As a side note, uh, back in Pennsylvania in 2020, I was part of the president's legal team in uh, in Pennsylvania in 2020. I testified before the
1: Pennsylvania Senate. So we can go on for a long time about a lot of these. No, I understand. But the the (laughs) point is, you're saying, hey, I'm an attorney, guys. I've never sworn to no British Nothing. It isn't true. No, I never no.
9: I'd swore to the United States Constitution and the Constitution of the state of Illinois and the Constitution of Florida, the two places where I've been admitted.
1: All right. Anyway, I don't mean to belabor the point, but I thought it was worth kind of an—I always like to ask attorneys because, uh, you know what, I don't know. I've never passed the bar. I don't know, and I, I can see all these different meanings, and I understand the allegations, and, um, you know, I mean, I can see the concern, obviously— yeah, but uh, my,
9: re- my requirement four times related to that, related to being licensed as a lawyer uh, in federal court, two times in federal court, two times in state court,
1: I've had to take oaths to support the United States Constitution. All right, well, that's a good news, fantastic reality check. I like that. Let's talk a little bit about your books now. You first wrote a book uh, about the Constitution, right? Yes. Um, how did that come to be? Well, as you From mentioned, radio show, right? as you mentioned at the
9: outset, I was uh, I I had a radio show uh, for about 4 years uh, primarily out of uh, Southwest Florida and in uh, and in Tampa in the Florida area. It's called Constitutionally Speaking and during the week of Constitutionally Speaking, our, the show was on on the weekends and during the week we'd do promos. The promos were called A Minute of Constitutionally Speaking. And I'd answer in 60 seconds what did Jefferson mean by all men are created equal? What can a president legally do with his pen and his phone? what can uh, what's a well regulated militia and so i collected the all the uh, all the promos and then i added to them and i wound up with 150 faqs about the constitution it runs from the preamble through the seven articles of the constitution and the uh, and the 10 amendments and the first 10 amendments the bill of rights and so this is a This is kind of nice because nobody these days is going to read the Federalist Papers, right? Everybody's looking for. They should. I encourage them to all the time. I know, but they're not going to. God bless you, Sam.
1: (laughs) You know, (laughs) for your faith in humanity. Those debates and the understanding behind the discussion points are really critical to understand if you want to understand the founding fathers and their intentions, right?
9: Oh, absolutely. And that's that's what we need to do and what we do not do anymore. People do not understand. There's all kinds of people I, I see in the booth here. You've given away pocket constitutions, all kinds of people carry pocket constitutions, but they don't really necessarily know what what it is that they've got in their pocket.
1: All right. Let's talk um, uh, about your book. So you did a bunch of sound bites on the radio that eventually culminated into the book, which has now become an educational treasure. Right. Yeah, we actually, you know, it's interesting. We've also done it in Spanish, uh,
9: "Capsulis uh, Const- Informativas Constitucionales. It's the only book in the whole entire world that explains the founding documents in Spanish. It's unbelievable. Wow. And uh, we're working with some Latino pastors and uh, hoping uh, to distribute that through 40,000 Latino churches around the country.
1: Because our greatest export ought to be the Constitution anyway, right? It absolutely
9: is. It absolutely should be. And, uh, you know, a number of years ago, I was doing, I've I've studied a little Spanish, some in Costa Rica, some in Cuba. So I can read some Spanish. And I went to see what was available about the Constitution in Spanish. First thing I found was uh, on Wikipedia, it was called... uh, padres fundadores right uh, the founding fathers and but the first line on there said the uh, Constitution of 1787 sanctioned the system of slavery and I went oh my goodness there are 400 million people in the world that speak Spanish and this is the first thing you're reading about our Constitution I thought I got to try and do something about it
1: all right so this brings me kind of the next discussion point really Um the creating of the Declaration of Independence uh, that really kind of highlights the Founding Fathers' intent as it all unfolded, right? Uh, yeah,
9: absolutely. Doesn't that fit into this discussion? It fits into this discussion immensely because the truth is, is the kind con- the Declaration of Independence is the inspiration, and the Constitution is the execution. If you do not understand the Hold Declaration, on. stop,
1: stop, stop. Yeah, I need you to say that again because that line is the quintis- quintessential understanding here. Say that again. The Declaration of Independence is the inspiration
9: and the Constitution is the execution. All right, keep going, sir.
1: And I just want people to really understand that because I think that's the that really lays it out.
9: Yeah, there's a you know, it's funny that they make us everybody, generally speaking, learns the preamble while they're in school. You know, we the people of the United States in order for a more perfect union. However, that's not the there's 58 words there. There's 55 much more important words. Those 55 more important words are in the Declaration of Independence. I refer to it as the American creed. Uh, And that would be we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. If we all knew those 55 words, it would be
1: very difficult to slice us and dice us into the interest groups that they try and do. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. This is really the critical uh, discussion points to be had, and it's all about education, folks. If you don't understand your history, you don't understand your roots, you don't understand your culture, you don't understand your your heritage, you're going to lose it is the real bottom line here. And that's really the reason you do what you do, right, Dave? Oh, that's absolutely correct. You know, it's very
9: interesting. There's five rights in the First Amendment. Five guarantees. There's five rights in the First Amendment. But the last one. Uh, the um, right to petition the government grievance, yeah yeah for redress of grievances when you say we we need to know those or we'll lose it
1: that one particular right has in fact been lost the, um, yeah, just ask Sidney Powell at the courts, just ask the state of Texas at the courts, uh, just ask Donald Trump and his uh, allegations, and ask Giuliani who got disbarred. And, and the reason I'm highlighting this so much is I'm also, uh, in addition to being a talk show host and promoting Loving Liberty, the radio network that syndicates us, behind us is a booth, or behind me, I should say, is a booth, uh, the Constitutional sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. And I'm actually the vice president of operations at the CSPOA. We just had an election fraud conference that was out of this world a uh, day before Freedom Fest.
9: That's what I understand. I'm, unfortunately, I did not. I was not in town for that, but I've heard of a couple of the people I understand, some friends of mine, uh, Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips were there. Yes. You know.
1: And if you keep friends with us, we'll keep you in the loop on what we're doing, by the way.
9: I look forward to doing so that. We'll do that.
1: Uh, anyway, I digress except to say this really highlights kind of the point, though, the redress of grievances. People went January 6th saying peacefully. That was most people. I agree there was a few bad apples in the barrel, but most of the people went peacefully and said, Congress, please look into this. We're concerned. Uh, they got shut down, sir. No redress of grievance If you look at the courts on January sixth, huh?
9: Absolutely not. No, that that right. There's a there's a history on that right too because it's with it's with the uh, what I would call the other all stars. You know, press and religion and speech and um, assembly. But uh, but and there's reasons that it was among the all stars. And the history of that one is actually when they said petition for redress of grievances, there was a tradition where, in fact, citizens could take their grievances to the legislature, and the legislature was bound to bound to address them and hear them we lost that during the uh, basically during the 1850s when uh, the democrats didn't want to hear about um, slavery abolition so it's the origins of that thing. are kind of in the right? uh, or magna of, carta right
1: magna carta
9: magna carta yes in 1215 <laughs>
1: That was kind of the, the quintessential starting of that kind of pushback that really culminated into. Well, they took a knife to
9: King John's throat that day, you know.
1: Yeah, that was a little bit of pushback. I mean? <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. I'm being a little bit polite um, about that, but kind of helping people understand the history. Then, so your book, how do we? How widely are they distributed? What, how do we get them in more places? I mean, people got to know this stuff. Uh,
9: they're uh, they're of course available on Amazon, both in uh, hard copy and uh, Kindle. And then uh, there's a variety of other online uh, online aspects to them. Barnes and Noble has it online. You can you can find them generally.
1: Barnes and Noble is that in the Smithsonian these days, sir? Uh, <laughs> it could be. I don't even know if there's a brick and mortar one. I- I'm just teasing. Um, so what do you expect for the future then with these two books? Then I mean, is the goal just to promote those? Is the goal to focus on your practice? What what what's kind of the plan for dave
9: i actually i have a i you, you mentioned the website com and that has over 200 essays about the constitution and i am now organizing those and repurposing them the next book will be the collected essays on the constitution constitutionally speaking is
1: the constitutional educational series right yes it is All right. Yes, it is. So people need to understand that, because when you go to the website, then you're starting to break out. And you mentioned that you've got a partner and you guys are working on taking all those different soundbites that you had and turning them into answers to constitutional questions. Right.
9: That's exactly what that's exactly right. There's um, guys in Chicago, SAT, Sat Media, and uh, we are now turning this into videos as well.
1: Delightful. Why are you in Illinois, sir? And that place is a liberal state, isn't it? Uh, Well, it's a conservative constitutional state, except for the. Chicago area. You know, that's exactly a lot of right. A people there. In fact, I went to Illinois. This is a cool story you might enjoy. I was growing a beard because I was in a play. and So I had a big uh, a beard and everything. And I went to Illinois, and I went to a town uh, in Illinois um, called Mount Olive. And, and I went there, and it was just, it was the coolest little town, and it was, I mean, it was just like a, out of the 1800s almost, it felt like. They had an old courthouse and everything, and I went in there, and um, anyway, that long story short, I the judges... Desk and the court was open. They they just weren't in session or whatever. And I literally saw the court. What do they call that thing that they hit the thing with? Uh, the the gavel? gavel. The gavel. And I just thought, you know what? I gotta go over there and I gotta sit in this <laughs> chair and I gotta bang this gavel, man, because I just think it'd be cool. And so I went in there and I did this. And then all of a sudden the judge showed up, and I thought, oh my. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. And I was sitting there with my beard and stuff, and I had this gavel in my hand. And the judge was super cool. He was like an old school judge in a lot of ways. A very nice guy. And he didn't do anything except for smiled. And he walked up behind me, and he said, sir, you deserve to be here. And, and he let me take my picture with a judge standing behind me with his hands on my shoulders. And I had this gavel in my hand. Classic. And They're like, I'm the judge, you know. And I just, I hammer. He, I said, Can I do? Can I really do this? Can I hit the table? He said, Sure. Anyway, he was so cool and let me do this. That's my remember of Mount Olive, Illinois, sir.
9: That's fantastic. That's a great story. Yeah, there's a lot of great downstate judges who are like you see on TV.
1: Yeah. Anyway, the point is, Chicago aside, uh, Illinois is a great state. But why are you there?
9: My grandparents went there a long, long time ago, about 100 and
1: okay, so 15 years.
9: Thing. About 115 years uh, when, uh, when they escaped communism from Lithuania. And uh, there's a separate story all about that regarding my one grandmother who was uh, one of 11 children, eight of whom were slaughtered by communists. And that, oh. that has to do with my particular dedication to our country. It's an immigrant story. Yes, it is. Wow.
1: Well, by the way, on this same network, LovingLiberty.net, by the way, is a lady by the name of Lydia Nettall. And Lydia does a show called Ask an Immigrant where she interviews people about their stories, about their immigration stories, and and or if they have relatives with immigration stories, etc. We need to get you to to talk to her, too.
9: I would love to talk to her. I'd love to talk about my my grandmother's story, you know.
1: Yeah, that would be incredible. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this is just the coolest place, man. Freedom Fest, you meet people, you rub shoulders with some of the best people on the planet. How have you liked Freedom Fest, Dave? I've had a great time. I
9: really particularly enjoyed uh, the uh, uh, Tea Party Patriots uh, election integrity project uh, information because uh, I've been involved in those kinds of things. As I mentioned, I would work with, uh, with the mayor uh, back in uh, Pennsylvania. Then I did uh, things for the National Republican Senatorial Committee in Georgia. I was a consultant to the Arizona House on their audit. So I'm uh, really very interested in election matters.
1: And as an attorney, you certainly have something to say about it. That's for sure. What do we do, though, when we don't have any redress or grievance in the courts? And what is our next step, David? And as an attorney, I want to ask you this, because a lot of people are saying it's going to lead to civil war. I pray that it doesn't, but I can see the writing on the wall, though, kind of. Yeah. And at some point, if there's no other way place to go, the natives are going to get restless is the problem.
9: You know, that's one of the reasons they do not teach the Declaration of Independence in schools, because the Declaration of Independence, among other things, includes an explanation of the right of revolution.
1: And uh, that's and why sadly the, and, sometimes the necessity, right?
9: And sadly, sometimes it, it becomes necessary, as uh, Jefferson uh, Jefferson said. And so we're going to uh, we have to do that. you know, they've got their 28 grievances in there. and when the government that's, that's a list of the things when the government has now become illegitimate, and in fact, there's a whole lot on that checklist that Jefferson put that our government is engaged in.
1: You know, you mentioned, as you wrote the book uh, about the, the creation of the Declaration of Independence, you, you said there's some interesting stories there. Do you want to tell us one of them? Give yeah. people a little teaser for kind of what's on the website? Sure. You know, at the, uh, at the opening, uh, during the
9: Second Continental Congress, there's a lot of people that would uh, whisper uh, independence, the word independence. They go to City Tavern, they might talk about it, but nobody would ever talk about the word independence in, in public. They would never do anything about that in public, and because, and that was because that was considered treason against the king. And treason against the king in those days was really kind of nasty punishment. Yeah, you
1: offend the crown, they behead you, my friend.
9: Well, you know, it wasn't just that. They dragged, drug you through the streets first, and then they cut, cut your guts out and burned them while you were watching them. And then they hung you until you were almost dead. And then they cut your head Ouch. off. All right. Uh, then they cut your head off. And the interesting thing about the guys uh, not wanting yeah, to say a lop off your head would
1: be to be uh, gracious. Oh no, no, that was that was the last part of the puzzle. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying, if they were to skip all the other part, it would be gracious for you. Yeah, <laughs> but uh,
9: as yeah, it would be it would be very generous of them to do so. And in, and in fact, they actually did know people that had in fact lost their heads in the aftermath of the Battle of Bunker Hill. There was a fellow by the name of Dr. Joseph Warren, who was the John Adams family uh, physician. Besides uh, being the uh, president of the Massachusetts uh, uh, legislature and uh, also uh, a general in the uh, Massachusetts militia, in the aftermath of Bunker Hill, he was, in fact, beheaded. So these guys actually knew people that had, in fact, been beheaded. So uh, when they said their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor, they weren't kidding.
1: Yeah, you got to be very serious, my lad. Exactly.
9: No, we're back to the Irish
1: then. You got to be very, very careful about. Yes. And so, uh, but they worked on it though, in the right places. They went to the taverns. They went to places where they could literally work together in a safe environment. They knew they could trust. Right.
9: Oh, absolutely. There's a there's a story in there about uh, Adams and Jefferson uh, sharing a beer and how they uh, over over it was over a beer that they Wait, put I mean, together. We're already
1: back to beer, huh, Dave?
9: Yeah, we're back to beer, and that's <laughs> and I I guess that's got my interest. That's my uh, brings brings my life full circle. Absolutely.
1: But the point of, uh, about the beer, though, was it was really um, people spending time together uh, in meaningful conversation that eventually led to our liberties. That's really the point.
9: That is exactly the point, how important the taverns were. On the other hand, Ben Franklin said beer was proof that God loves us.
1: <laughs> well, and then you got the country song that says God is great, beer is good. And- People are crazy. There you go. And all that's true too. Absolutely. All right. Hey, Dave. We appreciate you. Do you have a booth here, or are you just walking around talking about your?
9: Uh home? you know, actually, I've been uh, doing some work with the guys from Fox Nation, uh, the Fox Nation Live Feed, uh, Talent Seven. I'm uh, doing. I'm also. I'm also their attorney, and so I've been uh, doing a few things with. You're Fox the attorney Nation. for Fox Nation. Not Fox Nation generally, for the guys that are handling the live feed. I uh, see. And um, and i have also been um, I'm friends with some folks at Real America's Voice, and then uh, you know so we're doing a few things.
1: All right, what what attorney work do you primarily do then? Are you a litigator? Uh, these days, uh,
9: these days actually, I spent the last year and change uh, running for Illinois Attorney General. I'm going back to doing uh, lawyer work, and right now, as soon as I get back, I've actually got an election contest. There's a guy that lost a nomination for. Uh, Republican for Congress by
1: 343 votes and he wants me to oh. handle he wants me to handle that case he wants to know if there's election fraud doesn't he I can tell him yes what even in his case I can tell him yes it's that rampant it's that belligerent it's that in your face it's everywhere it's oh yeah absolutely Steve it's, it's everywhere all right what do we do to stop it can we stop it or will the only choice be a revolution
9: well no I, the you know election law generally speaking is written. With the assumption that there's always going to be an adequate adversarial uh, oversight, but there are so many jurisdictions that are one-party jurisdictions that oversight doesn't exist.
1: Yeah, like my whole state. Yeah.
9: Yeah, there you go.
1: And, <laughs> Utah's a very Republican state.
9: Well, and you know what? It, that to take advantage the the uh, tendency to take advantage of these matters, if you're the uh, if you're the one-party jurisdiction, it doesn't know any parties. Uh, whether it's Democrat or Republican, if they're the guys that are tr- in charge of the machinery, they have a tendency to take uh, take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, Do you know that you're saying the exact words Barack Obama used to say? Uh, no, I hate to hear that. Uh, true. <laughs> he even said, hey, uh, you know, uh, Democrats. Uh, well, he said Republicans and Democrats when they're in charge of the election, they just have a tendency to to help the machines make sure they're Right yeah yeah make sure they're right okay i I did not hear that from the, uh, from, Barack. from Barack Obama that's kind of funny because he's like, yeah, it's not just Republicans that have, uh, tampered with elections, Democrats have to and, and <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> It's kind Absolutely. of a funny thing all right, my friend, I sure appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen. His name is Dave. His last name's kind of hard to pronounce. Shistokas is how I'm going to say it. dot com is the website, ladies and gentlemen, to check out his incredible books, and if you need a good constitutional attorney, you got it terrific and Dave Shostokas thank you sir thank you thank you for and this me. is Liberty Roundtable live absolutely and Dave made a claim about uh, Ben Franklin saying you know beer is proof that God loves us or whatever and uh, some say it's beer some say it's wine is proof you see it on t-shirts you see that quote everywhere but it's not exactly what Ben Franklin said uh, he actually was uh, in France and he made some statements that got translated from France to English uh, and it's not exactly what he said Uh, He was basically talking a little bit more about Christ and water turning to wine and this kind of stuff or, um, you know, uh, kind of a discussion. Anyway, the long story short is I don't know that Ben Franklin really attributed uh, or, you know, made the statement that they claim. There's a lot of uh, T-shirts and, you know, pubs and everything else that kind of promote this quote. uh, But the facts are a little more um, nuanced than that. uh, And it's not really as clear that he said that as, as people want to make it seem. Uh, Did he drink alcohol? Yes, he did. Did he like beer? Yeah, he had some beer. But as far as we understand, he liked wine better than beer anyway. Uh, But a long story short, though, I don't know that that's an accurate quote to Ben Franklin, uh, even though it's everywhere. You got to dig. I always check my sources. And as I check, I don't know that we have hard evidence that Ben Franklin quoted it the way they're saying uh, or that the context was exactly like uh, that either. Uh, Anyway, very interesting kind of an update for you on that. I am Sam Bushman, and this wraps up two hours of award-winning, hard-hitting talk radio live and on demand at your fingertips. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net, and an ever-increasing growing list of affiliates. We sure appreciate all of you for your support and involvement. We need your financial support as well, folks. Donate liberally today, lovingliberty.net. Spread the word, share the love. We the people can restore America. Will you help God save the republic?